Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking about the movie I, Mordecai, and it plays an important role, I think, in society today, especially if you are not so technologically able, but there's a lot of other subjects in this film. Joining me today is the writer and director, Marvin Samuel, and also one of the actresses in I, Mordecai, and that's Aja Danae Hale. So welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Marvin, I'm going to start with you. I understand this is the film is based on a true story. And I'm curious, how based is it? I mean, is it that it took place in Florida and everything else around it is not true? Well, I started writing the stories that became I, Mordecai. My wife had just given birth to our twin daughters. It should have been the happiest time of our lives. And a month later... My mother, Stella Samuel, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. To cope, I started writing the stories that I would tell at cigar events. I was a cigar maker, and I would tell the stories of my family, colorful stories of their past. And I started writing these stories down. And my dad, if you watch the film, or even if you see our trailer, you'll see my dad's a character. And when I took a step back, I realized that these characters are cinematic. So then what happened is I came off a plane and my dad's phone was completely broken. His flip phone finally died on him. And I took him kicking and screaming to the Apple store in Aventura, Florida. And he looks at the phone. He goes, what is this? What are the buttons? Yeah. And... And at that point, um, he started taking private lessons. And I snuck up on him while he's taking private lessons, which should have been two or three lessons. And then you graduate to beginner for iPhone group lessons. And there's my father six weeks later holding court at the Apple store with three or four young kids, you know, in their early 20s. And he's making them laugh. He's making them cry with different stories and I said this is it this could be a movie and so there's a character her name is Einstein Nina portrayed by Aja Danae Hale and her character is uh, is fictional all the other characters are true the stories are true to life and I didn't realize you know you don't have to get so close to your characters in terms of name in terms of everything of who they are um, but this is my first film and I literally wrote my diary and my heart and soul that w- was displayed on film. It is beautiful. And let me tell you, the first 15, 20 minutes of that film hit so close to home for me because my mother just got her first iPhone five months ago. 
Congratulations. In How's 2022. <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> she finally, after four months, figured out how to send pictures via the oh, iPhone. She's yeah. never had the lesson. She didn't take the lessons. But she is still kicking and screaming about the phone. She wants her flip phone back. The only mm -hmm. reason she actually likes the iPhone is because she is able to text with her friends, but she doesn't like it that they send group chats. She hates that because then her phone beeps at her like every three minutes for yeah. a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's hysterical. I laughed so hard during that whole scene, that 15 minutes. I, I was just crying. Marvin, I'm, I'm just curious. Now that I understand you, you were a cigar maker, which is what your character played by Sean Astin does in the movie. Did you know famous people or people in Hollywood? Because just your journey alone to make this film, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going cigar maker, filmmaker with well-known stars in it. How'd you do that? That's the Hollywood dream for a lot of people. I mean, I knew casually some quote-unquote famous people who liked my cigars, but not to the point where they're going to sit there and produce my, my, take my script and produce it into a film. I had my completed script, and after a long search, I met uh, my producer, Dahlia Heyman, my executive producer, Alan Bain, and they brought my script to A.V. Kaufman, our casting director, and she asked me, who do you want? I said, you know, my first choice is Judd Hirsch. So she sends the script to Judd, and two weeks later I get a call. He wants to meet you. So we met at uh, Nick's Pizza on 93rd and 2nd Avenue, and over a pepperoni pie, a couple of bottles of wine, he asked me, so... Who's directing this thing? <laughs> and I said, I am just you. What do you know about directing? I go, I've never been on a film set before, but I know these characters and I know that I can do the job. I have a great team around me. And with your help, we'll do this together. We'll bring this story to life. So what do you say? And I put my hand out and he's looking at me. He's looking at my hand. Nothing's happening. And he goes, let me think about it. And I said, Judd, I'm sorry, but this is a one-time off. <gasps> and, yeah, I thought he was going to punch me right there. His face turned a strange, like, he was very <laughs> perplexed at that. And in, a second later, I said, Judd, my mother is dying. I started this journey almost four years ago. And now I promised my mother I would make this film while she was alive. So respectfully, you're my first choice. You're not my only choice. So what do you say? Are you in or are you out? And he looked at me for what felt like an eternity. And he finally put his hand down and said, all right, let's do this. And then we sat back down. And he goes, so, who do you have big fella? I go, Judd, I knew you were going to say yes, but I wanted to ask your thoughts. What do you think Carol Kane? I love it. And the rest is history. We had a movie to make. Wow. You were ballsy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, you know what? When, 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 it's not being ballsy. You know what it is, Heather? When you make a promise to your parents and now you realize, like, this is all you have left, you know, she was bedridden. She was 
fading on us. Mm. So that promise, my mother didn't even wasn't even aware of it. But it was that promise was to me. I made a promise to myself that I would make this film while she was alive. And unfortunately, I couldn't get it done in time. My mother, Fella Samuel, passed on July 17th, 2019. And we filmed three months later. I'm sorry she wasn't there, but I have a feeling she knows. And she's very proud of you. Well, and thank work. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I hope so many people get a chance to see this because... It was touching on so many levels, and there's also a recurring theme in there. Your parents, at least in the movie, came from Poland and escaped Nazi Germany and and the Russian invasion force as well. And my stepfather was born in 1930 in Germany, which once the war was over, he was on the East German side. So he it took him three attempts to escape from East Germany, and he finally did on the third attempt. And if they had caught him on the third attempt, they would have executed him. So that was sort of the law. You have two chances, and the third chances, that's it. Wow. There was so much about this movie that rang very true to me. History is interwoven between the family family dynamics and world events. And I can't separate the two because I grew up, as you did, Pepper, with history on the tip of our tongue at all times. And when you grow up in a situation like that, it can make for some surreal conversations. Uh, you know, my father would often have conversations to this day that are inappropriate for my kids. And they're learning a version of the history of World War II and the Holocaust that they are have accelerated because, and it's in my film. I have a, I don't know if you watched it to the very end, but during the credits, my real father speaking to my kids and talking about how he was always hungry and he had a diaper made from a sack of potatoes. Yeah. So that's how I grew up, and my parents would get into arguments. My mother receives war reparations checks from Germany until the day she died. And my father would say, how come you get war reparations checks and I get nothing? And she goes, because I suffered more than you, that's why. And they would go at it over who suffered more and I'd be the referee. Wow. (laughs) That is very heavy. And I didn't realize Germany sent out war reparations checks. Yes, yes. It, It was a whole... It was decades of negotiations, and uh, it's a very interesting story of how they decided who gets what. Wow. Interesting. Okay. We need to take a break, and I need to decompress from that last little bit. Uh, so we will be right back with Marvin Samuel. He is the writer-director of I, Mordecai, and Aja Danae Hale. We'll get to her in just a moment. She is a, an actress in the film as well. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today we are talking about the film I, Mordecai, which is in theaters now. I think it's, is it a limited run, Marvin, or is it everywhere? We're in approximately 80 theaters starting this weekend. You're going to laugh, you're going to cry, and you're going to get to learn about a slightly dysfunctional family, my family. <laughs> and But I think what's so funny is that dysfunction that's in your family, a lot of it runs through all families. So it's very relatable. That was the goal, to be able to hold a mirror up to, mirror up to the audience and that, you know, that the audience could look at just like you do with your mom, Heather, and you, know, you could say, you know what? I see something of myself. There's a Mordecai in everybody's family. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's part of what I saw that could translate onto film. I want to bring in Aja Danae Hale. She's one of the actresses in Marvin Samuel's film, I, Mordecai. And I'm going to ask you the question that in the film, Marvin's dad asks you, and it's like, have you heard of Hitler? Did you hear of Hitler and, and understand that history before you started this film? Absolutely not to the extent that came with the research of preparing for Nina. I had learned about the Holocaust. I knew Hitler. I had learned about the Holocaust um, in school, but it never got as deep into the education as I did on my own while researching for, for the character. So there was so much that I didn't know. I knew, I think I knew like the surface level. I knew about the camps. I knew about what went on in the camps, but I didn't know really the nitty gritty of, of what truly took place in history with, with the Holocaust and during the war. So Marvin, how much did you have to explain to Aja about this? We had extensive conversations. I gave her books to read. I gave her <clears throat> movies to watch. And also I gave her the background of my family's history, of my father's history in particular. We went to Poland in 2008 to visit the town. We met with historians, and I had no concept of this being a movie at this point, but it was the spark that led to me making this film, the flashback scenes that you see in the film, and the more serious topics, which I my goal was that this added center point is a comedy. So I had to, you know, weave in the comedy with the serious points. And, uh, it, you know, it's a challenge, but I, I feel the audience is connecting. Was your dad actually an artist? Did he do those paintings or was that added uh, for the movie content? Yes and no. He, so he is an artist. He started painting more often once he connected with the klezmer music of his youth. And that music, you you know, I got him an easel and, a, you know, a, a paintbrushes. And the, and then I get a phone call from my mother. What did you do to me? The whole apartment's covered with paintings. So all of the paintings you see in a scene towards the end in which the character of Mordecai is showing his artwork in an art gallery, all of those paintings are his all of the paintings you see in his apart in their apartment in the background are his original Mordecai paintings. Marvin, how I don't know how much thought you've given to this, but the people that suffered through the Holocaust and made it out alive, 
How much do you think that affected their lives as far as what they did in their in their lives? Like, would your father have been an artist in Poland had the Holocaust never happened and actually become famous, oh, possibly? Or let me tell you, my my dad, he never like he had to teach himself how to read and write. My mom never learned how to read and write her whole life. This generation, the amount of destroyed lives um, is unfathomable. Un, you're, you cannot even count it because my father was a plumber and a painter, as you know in the, from the film, and he taught himself. Had he had an education, there's no doubt my father would have been either an engineer or a doctor or a scientist. He can build a home with his bare hands. So if you use that as an example, I used to volunteer at Holocaust survivor meetings. Sadly, they're basically gone now. And you would see people from all walks of life. Some people, they actually made it. They recovered to live fulfilling lives, which is the best revenge, right? And then some people... They never left the camps. Their, their, their whole soul is there. They never left the escape from the camps and trying to survive. So that's what I try to portray, the different types of people who survived and some who did and went on to live meaningful lives and some who were continually affected. My dad did and continues to lead meaningful lives. But he's very much affected, and I was affected as a the next generation of of, of offspring of survivors, I was absolutely affected by it. Aja, what do you feel you have learned from this experience? What will you carry over into your life in the future? I think one of the things that Marvin had touched on was a lot of them found solvents in, in creating a life outside of the pain. And I think that being Black American myself, I can relate a lot to the, tra the, the trauma that runs through generations of cultures. And I think that that's the really beautiful aspect of it is to like keep the memory alive, like to never not speak about what your culture went through, but also find like a silver lining of it all and find ways that you can recreate beautiful moments within your family and within your culture and shine through the pain and the trauma that's taken place and allow these cultures to live the fulfilled life that they deserved then and that they deserve now. Because I think a lot of times it can feel like so much is against them. There's so much that is, that's built up to, to keep them oppressed in a lot of ways. And I think finding ways to, to break those barriers and to break the generational trauma that comes with all of that is a really beautiful way to surpass the pain that makes sense. Yeah. I'm just curious, your own journey into acting, are you able to support yourself full time in acting or do you still have to do other jobs? And do you find that being a person of color is more of a struggle for those who aren't? Well, that's a good question. Uh, currently, yes, I, I am not doing this full time. That is the absolute goal, but it, it is very hard. It's, it's very, it's a very hard industry in general, but I think especially for women and for women of color. And I'm really happy to be a part of a time period where I feel like a lot of that is shifting and changing and conversations are being brought up so that these things aren't so oppressing to, to women of color um, and to people of color in general. 
but yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's difficult. I think that there's still a lot that people see that they feel more comfortable maybe, or that they write roles specifically for a very specific look that a lot of people of color do not fall under right now. But I'm hopeful that that's changing. And I I hope that the more that I get involved in it and the more that it grows, that could be things that, you know, I um, can advocate for and also have better experiences towards. Aja is being very humble. When you see I, Mordecai, you're going to see an absolute star in the making. Aja is going to have an incredible career ahead of her. And feel free to reach out to her on social media with words of support after you see it, because she kills in this movie. She had the perhaps the toughest role in the entire film. Uh, you know, think about a first-time actor. And I, I wanted, we, my team, wanted an unknown to portray the role of Nina opposite the great Judd Hirsch and Carol Kane and Sean Astin, Stephanie J. Bach. When you were casting the unknowns, the not the stars, Judd Hirsch and Sean Astin and Carol Kane, did you, in your mind, think all white or black or you just didn't care? The reason I ask is I spoke with Peter Farrelly a few years ago, and he talked about more inclusion in movies. And the way that you do that is if you just have a description of somebody basically more like their movements or their personality, but it doesn't specify a color, there's no reason why you can't just cast people of color in those roles. Correct. Well, yeah. I had an advantage in that way in that at the end of the day, you know, I, I wrote, I directed, I produced, I self-financed most of this, you know, with some help. I had ultimate control over who I was casting. No one was telling me who to cast. So, yes, the concept as written was that Nina's Nina's mother is black, Nina's father is white, and we see it very clearly in a scene at, towards the end of the film. Other than that, Nina is Nina. Her character speaks for herself, and that's how I wanted to portray the character as a human being, not someone who's in a box saying, this is who you are. And Aja and I spent a lot of time talking about that. And I feel that that it speaks to the character, to the turmoil she's going through, which when it's revealed and you see her parents next to her, it makes you understand how much she has gone through in finding out her family's past. And how was that, Aja, filming that journey for you and your character? You mean the journey of the trauma that she finds out about her family? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was definitely very interesting. I think the way that I approach acting in general is really placing myself in the role as much as possible. It's really hard for me to fake anything. So I think once I felt comfortable with all of the research that I had done and I felt that I could really um, imagine a life that Nina was living and going through going through uh, the emotional experience that it would feel like to find out that somebody you love and that somebody you grew up believing loved you was actually a monster to so many people, um, including, you know, a whole, a whole other side of, of your family as well. Like, so it was definitely a, um, a very heavy experience for me. I think um, there was definitely like a moment after we were done filming where I had to, 
just kind of like be by myself a little bit and regulate my, my own emotions that I feel like got really tied into that. But also I, I find acting to be a very healing and a very therapeutic experience for me. So I think for the, the doc scene, I think that for me was like a moment of release. And I feel like there was so much that she had to hold on to throughout the entire film, like from beginning to end, you know, there wasn't really, there was a very small amount of time while we were filming that I was able to kind of feel free of that when she moves forward um, in her life and her relationship with her parents and her family in general. It was definitely heavy at times. Um, but I also, I also think it was a really great learning experience for me. And I think this in general was, has so far been the biggest role that I've done so far. And um, I think for me, on a personal level, there was so much that I learned about myself through the process and just my process of understanding characters and how I allow that to show on screen and what I need to do for myself on and off set. So yeah, definitely a very incredible learning experience, but also very heavy at times. I've always known that acting is a form of therapy. I enjoyed, mm -hmm. I did it when I was younger. <laughs> you? Marvin, really quickly as we wrap things up, I know this is showing, you were saying, in 80 cities nationwide. Are you? Is it going international yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, probably somewhere around 30 cities, 40 cities is my guess. I mean, we're in New York, L.A., uh, Miami, Chicago, and now Salt Lake City. So, yeah, the goal is worldwide, but we're, you know, we're the little movie that could. We don't have the budget that the big studios do. We're spreading the word through word of mouth. So just, you know, go to imordicai.com for details and you'll see some clips behind the scenes stuff. Go to our Instagram at imordicaimovie. And I believe my father, Mordecai Samuel, I'm, he, I'm pleased to announce, now has his own TikTok account. <laughs> oh my God. He thought it was, he thought it was a mint. I promise you. I, I, I swear to you. Like he thought he was like, he's like, what, what TikTok? You mean the mint? Like a so, TikTok? Yeah, like a TikTok. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what Mordecai thought. So he's going viral. He's got like a thousand hits. But go to go to see his first video what? on TikTok. Yeah, you didn't even see it yet, did you? No, I didn't know that this was even a thing. Yeah, go to TikTok. Go check out Mordecai trying on new hats. Oh my God. Awesome. Well, given the scenes, I did watch the credits at the end and I saw all those little vignettes with your actual father. And oh my God, Judd Hirsch nailed him. Just nailed yeah. him. <laughs> he didn't want to meet my father on set. And I'm like, my father's going to be on set every day. So I introduced the two. And now they're friends. My dad is now like a teenager texting every weekend. Wait for that to happen to your mom, Tether. And, and I'm like, Dad, we're having lunch with the whole family. Shut up. I'm texting the judge. <laughs> so they're friends. And yeah. And, uh, you know, we're rooting Judd on. Judd Hirsch is nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor in his role in The Fablemans. And if you want to see him in his first starring role, believe it or not, I, Mordecai is Judd Hirsch's very first starring role of all time. Come out and see I, Mordecai, and you can see the great Judd Hirsch, the great Carol Kane, Sean Astin portraying my family, and the great Aja Dene Hale as Einstein Nina. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. My guests today were Marvin Samuel and Aja Dene Hale, and they are both well, Aja's the actor in I, Mordecai, and Marvin wrote and directed the film as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure. Yeah. 
Truly. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.